on maynard.com.au. Hey, you! Got an act for you you're just not gonna believe. Oh, man, I've been having so much sex with demons, my astral plane is sore. It's Bunga <laughs> Bunga! Bunga Bunga 63 with... Tim Ferguson. And... The guy with the Holden astral plane, Maynard. How is your astral plane? It's all going very well here. My astral plane is it's as smooth as a button. How about yours? I tell you what, the kids are going crazy for that hydroxyhydrochloroquine. They've given up spice, they've given up MDA, they've given up soaking grass clippings in kerosene. It's the new drug, man. Why take GBH? Just go the clean way. Hydroxychloroquine. Has this been offered as a cure for MS to you, Tim? It's only a matter of time before that comes around. It's amazing the things people will offer for uh, a cure for MS, but there is no cure for belligerent stupidity. Tim gets pretty feisty with people online. What's the most thing that's annoyed you recently? It's a great time to get rid of friends and block people on social media, isn't it? It's a golden age of blocking. (laughs) They make it so easy. I like to just mute people occasionally. That way they think that their shouting is being heard, but really, in fact, it's not. If you mute them, they think they're being listened to. People, I've got a strategy for you. Preemptively block. If I'm reading someone else's timeline <laughs> and there's an annoying person on there that I'm not even friends with, I block them. Wow. And what message do they get? They never get a message. I just know that I will never have to read anything by them again, even though they don't even know me. That's preemptive blocking. Hey, what's the big idea? Bunga Bunga News. Tim, what's been going on? It's all been going on as it's not been going on. I keep getting messages from people. And if you're one of the people who send this, you know, it's very nice. But is everybody getting those text messages? I hope you're okay. Are you staying safe? Question mark. The thing is, it's kind of dull. I had one guy ask me... How are you staying motivated? Wrong, 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 wrong. I didn't even understand the question. We plough on, we move on, we stay motivated. We are always good. It's all about your attitude. I am doing fine, thank you. In fact, I'm sitting down all day in a wheelchair where I don't even have to get up like normal people. This gets back to you quoting Gretel Colleen at the beginning of all this silliness in that the rest of the world is experiencing these sort of employment difficulties that we as artists have our entire life. Well, that's true. You never ask someone who works in the arts, how are you going at home? Because that's where they spend much of their life, particularly if they're an actor. They can't give any answer apart from saying, I'm going back out there. I'll be going back out there. I think a lot of people are in a state of shock, Maynard. Do you have friends in in that same state of shock? I have had people ask me, are you okay? And I'll go, well, my performance has always been described as passable rather than okay. I think people should ask me, has anyone said you must try harder today? (laughs) Workable, I think, is the term. (laughs) If you can't get anything else, really. I can't complain because they won't listen anyway. Are you going to writer's workshop coming up, Tim, I thought I saw? Writer's workshop is a fancy way of describing it, Maynard. But yes, I am telling people how to write stand-up comedy. A lot of people tell you how to perform it, and they're great at this. There are some great stand-up performers who are really good about delivery and timing and presentation. But 
any uh, stand-up comedian will tell you, if you haven't spent time writing your jokes, then you're in real trouble. So I explain to people how to go out and have something that is not guaranteed funny, but is far more solid than crossing your fingers and hoping that practice you did in the mirror at home is going to help. If you're doing a podcast and you really have no content, go for audio distractions. That's right. As you can tell, we don't write what we're about to say. But if you are interested in doing one of these courses, every fortnight I'll be doing an aspect of comedy. This week's at stand-up comedy. Over the next few weeks, it'll be how to write a sitcom, how to write a comic movie, answering the question, why is comedy the best way for you to get your own beach house? And different things every fortnight. Just go to Try Booking, type in my name, Tim Ferguson. That's right, Tim Ferguson, and something will pop up. Do you still take commissions on your artwork bit of chatter on the social mead about some of the ones you've been putting up there there's been a surge i asked people if they wanted to commission some of my artworks maynard i'm getting people saying yes my prices for art are far lower than for example van gogh who i think got ahead of himself and that blue poles guy he didn't even live long enough to cash in What's Blue Poles worth now? $350 million. Well, what a bad purchase that was. How big an artwork can you go? Because I know you might be limited with your size there. If you make it too big, Kittler won't be able to move around the flat easily. A2 is my biggest. I'm happy to do a bigger one, like the one I did of Flacco, the portrait of Flacco. Which is on my wall. Every time the landlord has a flat inspection, I say, look, sorry, you have to social distance from that painting. You've got to be at least four metres away from it at all times. I've got some news. We're going to be doing another Mad Club live stream. Looks like it's going to be live on Friday, the 21st of August at 8.30. What happens with Mad Club live stream? I've been doing it on Mixcloud because Facebook's got this funny thing, as we explained earlier, that I did not write most of the songs from Duran Duran. Please, please tell me. I didn't write any of Gloria Gaynor ones either. You didn't write those songs? Apparently not. So Facebook had an issue with that. Gone over to Mixcloud. Only thing with Mixcloud is that it is live at the moment. It's not kept on my Mixcloud account. So if you just go to Maynard over at Mixcloud, just get on to me. There's a link there. And we have a private little party on a Friday there. Oh, hang on. Are you having a party there, Tim? I think uh, someone's delivering a package. Oh, someone's delivering a package. That is such great code from the 90s, early 2000s there, Tim. That's what we used to call it. Or a little bit of... Also, I've been putting up some of my Channel V stuff from the 90s with those film clips. Did that inspire you in any way, Tim? You know, there's nothing those pop stars won't wear, and it just gives me a chance to go out and get the puffy shirt on and walk around the house. <laughs> that was Alan Carr. He was so proud of Can't Stop the Music. It's one of those movies where if you're going to speak about it, you've got to be enthusiastic. Anybody can go, I can't stop the music. I hated that movie. Well, thank you very much for your contribution. (laughs) It's much better to say it's the best movie ever made and then argue your way out of that paper bag. There were a lot worse movies made in the disco period than that. Thank God It's Friday was an underperforming disco movie, that's for sure, Friday. Thank God it's 
Although it did have Jeff Goldblum. He's like the Michael Cave of American movies. It's the film that introduced Jeff Goldblum, so something good came out of it. Dancing! Everything else is bullshit! Hey! What I like is that the DJ's actually playing cassettes during part of the movie. <laughs> Imagine Ooh. that. You're on the dance floor and then suddenly the tape. <laughs> 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 that would be fantastic. That's good. Or <gasps> if the battery runs down slowly, the music starts doofing. And, and then just before the battery would run out on the original Walkmans, it would go really, really fast for a couple of seconds and then stop. <laughs> No, that's Bunga Bunga News. Oh, hang on. This is kind of news. I went and bought a very rare, a CD from a 1963 Audrey Hepburn movie that's considered her worst one. What's that called? Paris When It Sizzles. It's even really hard to find online, but the soundtrack is great. Double CD, all these bits and pieces, including this. Check out this twisting music by Nelson Riddle. Who wouldn't want to see that movie? Stand back, I'm going to the cinema. A lot of people say that is Audrey Hepburn's worst movie, which she did with William Holden. It is not. Her worst movie is Robin and Marion. Yes. Most of the dialogue takes place on horseback with Sean Connery. You're so beautiful. Sean Connery is Robin Hood. Robert Shaw is the Sheriff of Nottingham. Richard Harris is Richard the Lionheart. And in her long-awaited return to the screen, Audrey Hepburn... Come and sit by me. I've never kissed a member of the clergy. Robin and Marion. One has to wonder, why are you both there? By that stage, they had grandkids who had to be paid for. God knows why the horse was doing it. We've got many other issues to handle on Bunga Bung today. We've got the sound of this. Here's Robin. And we will be having a lot of this. The Sheriff of Nottingham. Tim, what have you been getting into? I've been listening to this, but just be careful when you hear it. Give me some of that heroin, some of that cocaine. Heroin, heroin and cocaine. And now you know why you had to be careful. It's pretty dangerous music. Heroin, heroin and cocaine. Because once it's in your head, it's there forever. Hydroxychloroquine, thy name is Tim Ferguson. It's a bit like Istanbul, not Constantinople, it's Istanbul, not Constantinople. I guarantee you will wake up at three o'clock tomorrow morning. Well, I just happen to have the Ritchie family version of Istanbul. Let's have a listen. Disco version of it. Do, 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 do. See, I've got me going. It'll come as no surprise to anyone that it, that was the same producer as Village People. Is that right? All roads lead back to Village People, which is why I don't leave the house much now. It's proof that you cannot stop the music. This is the sound of the 80s. Everybody's looking for it, and we've got it. Tim, I sent a bit of a movie criticism on I found on YouTube, because as you know, people tend to have opinions on YouTube. You know that, Tim? You struck that? They have opinions on YouTube. Well, I think people's opinions are just so fascinating. This great northerner with a moustache really came out punching about, in modern movies, bathos. 
And he was saying, bathos is bullshit because I never went to uni or never paid attention in English class. I didn't know what this was. Pathos, I've heard of that one. Bathos with a B? Yeah. Is he making a word up? He's making that word up. Well, what's it supposed to mean? I think he's one of those people who thinks that the opposite to pathos, which is always, you know, oh, no, (laughs) the kitten lost his job, is the idea that you can have humour in a story that's so terribly, terribly important. Can we hear a bit of this guy just to make sure that he's real? 18th century poet Alexander Pope coined the phrase bathos. Pope used bathos to describe a technique where a poet would suddenly change from serious to trivial for the sake of making the reader laugh. It's incredible today how many movies, no matter their subject matter, function almost equally or even more so as comedies. One example that immediately comes to mind is in Avengers Infinity War where Bruce Banner trips over like a Looney Tunes cartoon in what is the build-up to a save the universe or we're all doomed battle. The subject matter is extremely serious. Well, who cares? Here's a joke. This approach is really nailed home by a quote from Buffy the Vampire Slayer creator and Avengers director Joss Whedon. Make it dark, make it grim, make it tough, but then, for the love of God, tell a joke. I don't have a problem with humour in non-comedy films, but I'm a strong believer that it has to come naturally or it just doesn't work. Tarantino has a particular knack for this. He seemed to be saying that modern movies are being ruined because there are too many lighter elements in it too often. In fact, he quotes the figure, every one minute, 15 seconds, there's some sort of joke in the average Marvel movie. That's because they're all dressed in spandex. What kind of dilfo? And I've just made that word up, <laughs> Dilfo. That'd be someone who is big in the art of Dilfos. <laughs> what kind of person would complain that, oh no, there is just too many things to laugh at in a Marvel movie? They're wearing spandex, for God's sake. Seems to use it as an example that the thing trips over on the way to a very important battle, and he seemed to think that that was trivialising the scene. The guy's called The Thing, looks like The Thing. I don't think we need anything serious going on. He seemed to say that Taron Tarantino does this well, Bathos, but Josh Whedon doesn't. And I believe that Josh Whedon is often employed for that very reason. He's good at mixing those things together. But this guy seemed to be saying that it was almost thrown in with Josh Whedon, where with Quentin Tarantino, his character-based jokes work better. So this guy just likes artier films, does he? Oh, moo, 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 moo. It's like people who prefer Australian dramas. I've met all four of those people. They're wrong about seriousness. That They're means sim- that even with the quarantine issue we have, you can have all the fans of Australian cinema in the one room without getting booked. He made a comment about Godfather 2. There are no jokes in Godfather 2. Take a look again, Dilfo. There are jokes all through Godfather 2. They are not gags. So they're not negations. They're not confirmations. They're not comic paradoxes, reinterpretations. But there is humour based in deep character like Pentangeli. One of Pentangeli's first lines as a mafia boss is like, he's got me waiting in the lobby as he's waiting for Michael Colleon. It's a funny moment. The old guy is drunk. Everybody's dancing and he's feeling completely juxtaposed with the world. It's a comic moment. What kind of Dilfo would ever complain about comedy and then hold Godfather 2 up as an example? Yes, it's a serious movie, but there are moments in it that are based upon humour, you ning-nong. 
maybe to calm this guy down, we need to send him a few Australian dramas. There are some new ones coming out, and I've got to say, the pauses are just so long. Were they originally written for William Shatner? I think so. A good actor always puts a big pause in the middle of their line because it just means that they have more time on screen. Some of them, the pauses are diabolical. It gives you enough time to go get a coffee, go, come back and remember that you were just about to switch this movie off. The other night on SBS, Star Trek IV, The Journey Home, otherwise known as the Star Trek movie with the whales. It's obviously an 86 movie, but it holds up in the writing department. Oh, it's a great story. Always moving, great characters. There's a touch of romance. They're saving whales using time travel. If you haven't seen The Journey Home, the Star Trek film, Make sure you go and see it. In fact, all of the five big Shatner Star Trek movies, if you're interested in script story development, watch them. Watch Khan in particular, full of brilliant story by some of Hollywood's top writers. I shall leave you as you left me, as you left her, marooned for all eternity in the center of a dead planet. The first movie, they have to go out to V'ger and Shatner does the big we've got to go there kind of speech <laughs> and there are pauses in that. That's all we know about it. Except that it is now 53.4 hours away from Earth. Hurry up. Enterprise is the only Federation starship that stands in its way. Our orders are to intercept, investigate, and take whatever action is necessary. Hang on, he's not finished yet. And possible. <laughs> and when Vija sends an emissary... Kambala was her name. I think she was Miss yes. India. She was quite well known. When she turns up, she just happens to be the only one with bare legs. <laughs> this robot's not really from the future. And she's wearing a terry-toweling shaving jacket. I reckon she just popped into Shatner's quarters and just grabbed the first thing on the rack. That's my shaving jacket. Definitely worth a look. If you're into story development, break down the wrath of Khan and then break down crying because you'll never write anything as good. I did. If you haven't got a shaving jacket, you aren't dressed. Oh, now two or three minutes, two or three hours. What does it matter now in this life of ours? Let's work together. Come on, come on, let's work together. No, 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 people. Because together we will stand, every boy, every girl, and a man. I'm getting something. Something's coming through on the subspace, Tim. Apparently, word is out that Hitler's alligator has just died in the Moscow Zoo. Oh, no. What was the alligator's name? Saturn. Saturn the alligator, 84 years old. It would just stop eating for about six months every once in a while, too. I mean, I've tried that. No one pays attention to me. So Hitler had an alligator. It was referred to by the Russians as Hitler's alligator the American alligator owned by the Nazis and taken as a war prize by the Soviet Union. Well, they reckon it was Hitler's alligator, but let's say, look, in those last days of the bunker, I'm not sure the bunker was big enough for him to go either. Is it okay if the alligator shares the spare room? It's just proof that, like dogs, alligators will accept anyone as their friend. So next time someone tells you they're having a hard day, well, tell that to Hitler's alligator. You think your life is... <laughs> 
hard. Jesus. No. How is the cat who walks? How is Kittler going? Well, the cat Kittler living in the fortress of arrogance, he's very much into cancel culture, but he's not cancelling the things that the cancel culture people are asking to be cancelled. He refuses to cancel Martin Borman no matter what he hears. Yeah. Also, he wants to cancel Teletubbies, not for the reason that Jerry Falwell did. He finds it too bright, too colourful and too educational. That's true. They are getting a lot of points across in a limited time. That's right. And he's learning to talk Teletubby language, so it's still not very helpful for his purposes. Oh, hang on, look, at Bunga Bunga Command Centre, the bat phone's ringing. We've got an incoming call from Adam West from 1967. Let's take it, Tim. Hello, citizens. I'm taking a holiday from crime fighting in Gotham City. No rest from danger, though, because all around us is that deadly daily danger, traffic. <laughs> I admire the way all you British children triumph over this danger by learning and using the road safety code. Before crossing the road, you stop at the curb, look right, look left, look right, look left, look right again, and then only if the road is clear, walk quickly across. Remember, be smart, be safe. Adam West warning us of the deadly daily danger that's all around us, Tim. Traffic. Traffic. There's that moment where Adam West says, hello, citizens. Hello, citizens. You're happy straight away, aren't you? Well, you feel safe. Someone did point out that that's incorrect if he's doing this in London. He should be saying hello, subjects, because they're not citizens. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's correct. It'll do. Hello, subjects doesn't really have the same ring. Even Prince Harry didn't like it enough to stay. You should have a look online at that. Adam West is great. It's only recently been found. That video only surfaced in 2018. He's teaching children how to cross the road. The opening shot is Batman in costume on London Bridge. Can you imagine being one of those kids? How how intensely cool it would be making what felt like a movie with Batman himself. 1967, there's been a couple of edits of it. One called the Special Edition, because at the very end of the clip, Batman holds up a kid for a couple of seconds for there obviously be a voiceover added or a graphic or something. And it goes for about six or seven seconds. Someone has looped that for the entire time of the Batman theme. And because it's actually video, they're just looking blankly at the camera and blinking every couple of seconds. It's awkward. I just watched that about three times in a row, but then again, I don't have a lot going on in my life, Tim. Those are the times we live in, and they're good times because eventually everybody will be working on offices or on tour or at work sites or turning around lollipops on the road, and we'll just be looking back at this time saying, oh, I remember COVID. They were good days. I had all that time at home and I accomplished nothing. Yeah, remember <laughs> when you could watch... Netflix, non-stop all day. Oh, yes, great days. Live it up, kids. Live it up. If someone had said to me, oh, there's a chance that your school could be closed for a fortnight, I'd bring it on. Yes, you've got to be home with your parents. But if you're a teenager, they're quite happy for you to lock yourself in the room. Watching a bit of Foxtel the other day, the History Channel Australia was all about Pearl Harbour. There seems to be something historically inaccurate about this. I just can't quite put my finger on it. More planes overhead. American fighter jets trying to chase the attackers. Then the army doctor points his camera at the USS Arizona. 
I looked this up, Tim. There were no jets at that stage. Yeah, but there was that movie, The Final Countdown. Where they went through time, the next thing you know, you've got a modern age aircraft carrier that defeats Japan. So you're suggesting that the person who wrote, edited, read and oversaw the script of the Arizona highly researched film thinks they're living in the reality in which the final countdown was a documentary. Yes, it's a matter of time before that same writer says large dark moon that looks like a weapon is headed towards Earth. That's no moon, they will say. Quick, we need to go at ludicrous speed. Yeah, we need to go at ludicrous speed. (laughs) Prepare ship for light speed. No, 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 light speed is too slow. Light speed too slow? Yes, we're going to have to go right to ludicrous speed. (gasps) Ludicrous speed, go! Get on the History Channel there, say, look, and not only did you get Amelia Earhart completely wrong because it's a photo of someone completely different, we haven't always had jets. Pearl Harbor has been severely damaged in what looks to be a catastrophic display of negligence by the Roosevelt administration. What's happened is a Japanese attack on the United States naval base at Pearl Harbor. I'm sorry, this attack just came from Japan, but that doesn't mean that we can just declare it as a Japanese attack. That's actually exactly what that means. Try to avoid scapegoating anyone in particular. Let's try not to point fingers as to who's responsible for this before we have all of the facts. And I think that the rhetoric that we've heard from the president and from yourself is harmful. And I think that it has the potential to cause a lot of anti-Japanese sentiment in the country because- Our rhetoric, Will. Yes, not the attack, just our rhetoric, right? Jack, again, people need to stop blaming others. They should just stay calm and just stay inside until all this blows over. We've got something to tell you. Time to open the crank mail. Crank mail, crank mail. Oh, that's a catchy song. But there's a bit of urine dripping there at the end. Oh, there is. I had forgotten I'd recorded that. There is a family of possums in the outhouse that we have here. They pee in their own cup, which is very nice. And then one of the little ones carries it down and plops it in the water. It's really very special. Let's just hear it as you have the picture in your head. It's very clear when you hear it. Our first bit of crank mail comes from Fred Brundick. He wants to know, why are earworms always the songs I dislike? Why, of all the songs that exist, are the ones that really annoy me and repeat in my head over and over again the ones I didn't like in the first place? Because the songs that you like are crap. (laughs) Fred, there's your answer. Lift your game. It's okay not to like songs that are earworms. But if you think about the songs that you like, it might be some of the more esoteric Midnight All songs. had recorded the Macarena. Yeah, but they don't have the guts to actually do that stuff. Crank mail! From our bus-driving friend in the US, Ben Begley. Hiya, Ben. How you going? He wants to know, is it ethical for the media to lure us in with a headline about two Indian women discovering an asteroid heading towards Earth, only to reveal several paragraphs in that it won't happen for another million years? Why raise our hopes? 
That's a good headline. It would have got me in. And no, it is not ethical, but I think you're asking a bit too much of the media. You just have to get to that paragraph and then be prepared to quit reading after you find out it's not going to happen before lunch. Crank mail. Roy Solman Darby writes from Ballarat. Tim, it's about felines. Roy writes, my older cat is a... And that's the cat on the phone now. Roy writes, uh, my older cat is a grumpy, disagreeable shit. Shall I alert the press? <laughs> oh, Roy, how do you alert the press? If they were going to print that sort of thing, there'd be nothing but cat news in the newspaper. Front page of the age, and there's a photo of a cat <laughs> looking in a really bad mood, and people, well, so what? That's news? But, you know, there will always be some lonely person going, oh, isn't she cute? I think the answer, you're just going to have to live with it, Roy. There's no way out of it, Roy. Just keep giving it food. Have you been able to calm Kittler down using any therapy we could mention to Roy? (coughs) You can get some executive toys. Try screening Triumph of the Will to the cat. See if that works. (laughs) For a grumpy cat, there is no cure apart from to put them in a leadership position. He's the chief, he's the king, but above everything, he's the most tip-top, top cat. Oliver Udall, our friend from WA. Hiya, Oliver. Oliver. He wants to know what your opinion on Clive Palmer's attempt to open the Western Australian border is, Tim. He's not strong enough. It's a very big border. It will take a lot of walking up and down and pressing against the road. And as soon as he opens one door, he goes to the next one, then they just lock the one he just opened. Yeah, he wants to open up the WA border. That's great, Clive. And what will that do apart from make Clive rich? They're letting mining ore in and out, aren't they? You've got to keep the economy going for the people who own mines. Get back to building that Titanic replica. Titanic 2, I think, is the best name for any boat ever. Why don't we just call Australia that? One of the greats has sent us some crank mail. Tony Push writes, Is there enough room in capsules or do I need to take two? (laughs) Always take two. One to take in the morning and one to take in the evening. But always take with water. And if you can't find that, whatever's in the fridge. Rantaloons at Twitter writes, Where can I get that shirt, Maynard? Referring to the photo of you and me in the artwork for Bunga Bunga 62. I can only assume he's talking about your Star Wars T-shirt. Or he really wants my Venga Boys T-shirt. Yes. Both great T-shirts. I think the Venga Boys one, just as rare. There are only, I think, 400 million copies of that Star Wars T-shirt that I'm wearing. So the best place to get them is anywhere. There's two ways to get the Venga Boys T-shirt, one slightly harder than the other one. One is host their Australian tour around for a couple of weeks while they're touring in Australia with Wigfield. Do that. Or go to the Venga Boys website and buy it. I don't know whichever one is easier, whether you should host their national tour or go to their website, but B-Miles, that's a way to do it. Quite often people will ask questions to which the word Google could possibly be an answer. (laughs) How did you find that? Have they not invented the Google where you are? 
Where can I find your books, Tim? I don't know. If only there was a, let's call it a search engine, for example, where you could type in a simple instruction and it would spew out the information, perhaps one day in the future. Yeah, if you put Tim Ferguson, the cheeky monkey, who knows what would happen? Although that monkey thing backfired on me once. I put the cheeky monkey in and I got the phone number of that monkey from the Dustin Hoffman movie Outbreak. Just be careful, people. Time to hop in our little hum Doctor Who kind of like time machine with Tim Ferguson as we put Tim in a place in history, give him a hypothetical and say, so, what would you have done, smartass? Are you ready, Tim? I'm never ready for this. This is too much. It's too much. The year is 1985. Uh. The place is Russia and the United States. Both countries that didn't exist at that time. Both fictional places in 1985. The TV show is called Space Bridge. A US and Russian audience are linked via satellite to ask each other questions. The American host is Donahue, the famous Catholic. He was great and good spectacles. It wasn't really the most gripping show. Here's a little bit of it. This is a Russian art teacher explaining her hopes for the future. What is the Soviet dream? What is the personal hope and dream? So I'd like to talk about my dream. I'm still quite young. I don't want to leave my beautiful city. I don't want to go anywhere. I know my city very well. Well, Tim, I don't know about you, but that inspired me. If only we could have stayed where we were, particularly if that time was Russia, for example. What a great suggestion. You're in Russia and you want to stay in Russia. So how would you have made this show better or more interesting, Tim? Would you have gone with the it's a knockout kind of format with some Irish guy making some off-colour jokes every once in a while or maybe more like I'm a Russian, get me out of here? Either of those would have worked brilliantly. Also, there is the blind date, the perfect match way of doing it. Here is a Russian person, and here are three American people that they can choose to have jailed. That's the sort of stuff people would tune in. Don't pretend you wouldn't. You know you've got problems with a show when even the invited audience on the show says things during the show that went to air like, I came here today because I was asked to because of my occupation. I'm a fisherman in Alaska. I wouldn't have come here if I would have known it was going to be this. <laughs> Jim, you've done a lot of shows. I've never heard anyone on any of your shows say that. What we're doing here, we've been told that it's going to be very interesting, but there's nothing interesting. I just simply want to get out of here. But nothing has happened. We edit those. That's why no one watches the news anymore. That's true. Just reading a list of things that went on today. How uncreative. How many times have you watched the weather report and gone, oh, that could have been better, could have been more gags. I want more puns in my weather. You want puns, you ain't getting them. You're getting funs and lots of... (laughs) Tim Ferguson's right of reply to a question nobody asked. Don't expect too much. It's amazing how many times I will offer people something for free that they will say no to. Think about the last time you said to someone, here, you can just take this, it's all yours. It will improve your life and you'll probably make money. And people have said, no, no, I want to do it my own way. Well, people do this about comedy. They don't do it about screenwriting, but they will do it about comedy. But they say, no, no, I have to learn comedy my own way, which is a great and very brave and very valiant way of going about it. But by the time they've actually mastered the craft, they're old people and nobody's interested in what they want to do. 
If you would like to learn something for free from me about how to do comedy, you're in the right place. I've made people who are now millionaires simply because they shut up and listen to what I told them. Get over yourselves as quickly as you can. Life is short and you want to be doing this stuff as quickly as you can. I don't need your money if you want to do it for free. All you have to do is send me a Twitter message at Real Tim Ferguson and ask me. I give this shit away for free. That was Tim Ferguson's right reply to a question nobody asked. Don't expect too much. Hopefully people out there will take a good hard look at themselves, like really hard. Hopefully they'll have a good hard look at our Patreon page and maybe become a Patreon because every month there's some Patreon pandering that only the Patreons get. And we've been giving away hour-long videos, we've been playing sets of music, all sorts of stuff. And who else is going to give you segues like that masterful one to Patreon that Maynard just did? No one can do that kind of work without people going, hang on a minute, that's a plug for something. That is a plug for something, whereas in fact, we are the drain that you need. From as little as a dollar a month, patreon.com slash Maynard. Kevin Rowlands from Dexter's Midnight Runners has put out a cracker tune recently. It's a cover of the Four Seasons Ragdoll. Ragdoll. Little Ragdoll. He's singing it. Great vocal, as always. A lot of people were a bit funny about him in 1999 when he put the album out and he did a cover of Whitney Houston. It sounds like this. No matter what they say about me They can't take my personal dignity Because the greatest love of all Is happening to me A lot of people weren't big on that. And then he did a film clip for Concrete and Clay wearing a dress. The concrete and the clay beneath my feet begins to crumble. But love will never die. You know we see the mountains tumble. Before we say goodbye, my love and I will be. And this film clip points out that people made a lot of fun of him in 1999 for wearing a dress, whereby now, if you made fun of him for wearing a dress, you'd be cancelled. And, of course, that song, desecrating Whitney Houston's effort, that song has saved lives. Many ships have used it as they cross the oceans to warn others that they are coming. Here it is. Iceberg, right ahead. They say always speak your song. Oh, Canada, our home. What are you doing? If you're going to you know, tell the story of your song, it's a hell of a way to be told. Have a listen to this. And also, the film clip is great. Kevin uh, is not singing it in the film clip. He appears in the film clip. It's his grandson that is in it. It's a great clip. Really nice. When you were just a kid, your clothes were hand-me-downs. They always laugh. They called you Red Doll Red Doll Such a pretty face Should be dressed in lace He knew 
knew how to wear a dress and he knew how to wear his hair. Don't be so quick to judge Kevin Rollins. Yeah, one of the greats, one of the greats. Tim, is there anything you want to mention before we go? Because, oh, oh, I can hear some music coming. The main thing is straighten up and fly right, people. What a show we've had. I'm exhausted. Bunga Bunga 63 will be the biggest thing you hear until Bunga Bunga 64. I can't wait for 64. So that's Bunga Bunga from me. And Bunga Bunga from him. Bunga Bunga. I hope you're okay. Well, I think people's opinions are just so fascinating. On maynard.com.au. Hey, you! Bryson and Hugh. Everything digital.